0: Hello, hello, everyone. Uh, <laughs> thank you for, for coming here for Penny for a Tale on this Friday night. I know uh, some of you might be in the theater now watching John Wick, but because you're so excited about this interview, uh, you also have this out and, and listening to it. Because, um, you know, they're just about even in terms of awesomeness. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, today we have a, a special, special guest. Um, uh and I'm going to try really hard uh, to pronounce her, her last name. Uh, she, is, she has coached me on this, but as you guys know, I, I am horrible with names. But, all right, let me introduce Elizabeth uh, Chai Pradiku.
1: That sounds good. Yes! <laughs> I should get points. <laughs>
0: um, uh, she is a game designer uh, for uh, Angry Hamster Publishing. Uh, currently running a Kickstarter, uh, Afterlife Wandering Souls, which if you have been keeping up to date, you will see we are playing it the 21st at 8 p.m. Uh, I've read through it. All my people have read through it. I'm super excited. Uh, the art is amazing. Uh, the setting is, is awesome. Um, but today we are going to focus on Elizabeth and, and her story and, and, you know, just all, all that is Elizabeth. This is The Elizabeth Show as presented by penny for a tail. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's hop right into it. Uh, so you've mentioned that some of the ideas for afterlife, the, the quick start adventure came from your time in university. Uh, what elements in your life at that time kind of inspired you? What were you reading? What were you watching? Or just what were you looking at that kind of started the foundation of what will, will be, or is afterlife?
1: Well, I think, like, probably, like, at least in university time, too much anime. Um, and if you look at the art in Afterlife, you won't immediately think anime, right? Like Yeah, anime. I don't. <laughs> it, 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 like, art-wise, there's not a large link. but I think, like, thematically, some of the more fantastical elements that are included in anime, even when you kind of have, like, very, like, mundane themes right like Mm -hmm. schoolgirls or something like that they still kind of have these fantastical elements yeah and that kind of starts seeping into your game design right until like you you look at the world with a sheen of magical realism over it and i think afterlife then takes that and like quadruples it you know
0: (laughs) takes it to the next level what animes were you watching
1: um well like my first i started out like like with like a very very easy step in which was full metal alchemist
2: oh um, yes and
1: my friends got me into full metal alchemist like you need to watch this this is like this is your jam i'm like okay watched full metal alchemist and then i started watching like cowboy bebop and stuff like that and just kind of diving deeper deeper into random anime which my <laughs> friends were throwing at me and then eventually i was like looking for myself you know what i mean
0: yeah, I, I definitely have watched those two. Full Metal Alchemist makes me cry.
1: I still can't keep it together, and I, you know, like when Brotherhood came out too, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I should rewatch this again. And then I was like, do I want to hurt myself? <laughs> <laughs> do I want to go through this pain? Also, because people are saying it's like the ultimate, the ultimate edition,
2: right? Like yeah,
0: it is. is it is. It's. It, I feel like it's kind of like watching um, Graveyard of the Fireflies. Uh, you watch it one time, and then after that, you really gotta you gotta wait a while. You gotta emotionally prepare yourself for the uh, the sadness that is to come.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just and also there's just a couple episodes with Full Metal Alchemist. Like when you get to like the father and his daughter. Like. Uh, mm, mm, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's too too much <laughs> too, yeah, too, yeah. still too, too much. soon
1: and <laughs> again like i guess i know when it's coming too so i can be an adult like i get to choose what episodes i fast forward through you know
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah a uh, a guest said ed word
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> too, too soon <laughs> still too soon <laughs> it still
0: tears me up yeah, I believe I was watching Fruit Baskets, which was kind of one of the first animes that I, I was looking at.
1: Yeah, I mean, I also, like, I discount me watching Sailor Moon as a kid, because that was, like, before my almost addictive nature of, like, I must watch all of this mm-hmm. anime for the entire weekend and not see a ray of sunlight, you know what I mean? <laughs> like Whereas, like, when I was a kid, like, Sailor Moon would come on TV and you are just be like, oh, awesome, you know?
0: Oh yeah, every morning before school, that was me. <laughs> Loved it Sweet. so much.
1: I grew up in Thailand um and like we had we had cable, right? So mm-hmm. we had like English cable because like my household primarily spoke English. Um, So I would have to like randomly catch it and then like my mom would like record the episodes for me like on VCR so I could watch them again. (laughs) And like I was just a kid so like I didn't get that I was watching the same thing over and over again. I remember being like incredibly dismayed that there were like way more episodes of Sailor Moon than I thought there were. You know?
0: (laughs) There are so many. So many.
1: They do different things. Amazing.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really good show and I think they're going to reboot it. I don't know. (laughs)
1: Oh man! Oh, that'll be good though. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, definitely, I would. Anything Sailor moon's always awesome. Especially, I was a huge fan of Tuxedo Mask. Yeah, he
1: was suave, man. (laughs) He's so cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If only the people at school realized how cool he was when I kind of like started adopting his uh, his style. But now <laughs>
1: he's like, show up full cape. Yeah. <laughs> Just in the, in
0: the corner of the room with the wind flapping <laughs> my little cape. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> All right. So on to the next one. Uh, so everyone's process to creating a game is pretty different. We've had a couple of people here that have kind of explained, explained their process. And it's been interesting watching uh, different people's perspective on how they create a game. Uh, so what is your process like?
2: Um,
1: so my process has changed a lot since when I started because basically, um, game design and like writing for the role play industry kind of started as a hobby. Like I started actually writing, um, for the living forgotten realms. And that was just kind of like, I like D and I'll write some adventures, you know? Um, and then I had this idea for my own game, which was which. Um, And that was like a labor of love, which took me like seven years to write. (laughs) And then I just kind of threw it on Kickstarter and I'm like, maybe my friends and family will give me enough money that this game can be in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. So like that was just I'm going to just write whatever purple prose I want until it turns into something somewhat playable. Um, And then I actually got into the industry through that piece. Um, and my process kind of vastly changed. Um, so for me, how it starts is I have a kind of like thematic setting that I really enjoy. So mm-hmm. like with afterlife, right? Like the idea that you're dead and you have to travel these surreal worlds yeah. in order to um, in order to find your memories. So that's kind of like the genesis of afterlife. Um, and from there, I start thinking about like what actual dice system will fit hmm and originally afterlife was meant to kind of be a spiritual predecessor to witch um so i was trying to use the same dice system um as witch mm-hmm. and i actually ended up taking a break with my work on afterlife because death is a bit of a heavy subject yeah yeah it, can. <laughs> it definitely
2: is
1: <laughs> and, I, and i had just written witch which was like selling your soul to the devil and i was doing a few other like darker at least darker themed freelance work things so i was like I need to stop working on this game.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> a little soul detox.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just need, so I, I wrote Familiars of Terra. That was awesome. That's all about like animal companions and being an adventurer. I know, it and looks so was, cute. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then I was like ready to go back to actually working on Afterlife. Um, and by that time, I had grown so much as a designer, I, I realized I'm like, this die system doesn't fit what I'm actually trying to accomplish. Um, and I had another dice system that I was working on, um, which fit Afterlife perfectly, and that I was really enthusiastic about and that I actually want to carry on to other games that I'm mm-hmm. creating. Um, nice. So that's and like, kind of what I ended up designing for Afterlife. Yeah. So concept and then mechanics to fit what you're trying to portray with the concept.
0: Excellent. And so I saw in a, in a blog you often use kind of like Pinterest and Spotify to, to, to help out with it. Uh, what would you kind of categorize the, the, your Pinterest board for Afterlife as well as your Spotify? Uh, what were you looking for when you were making them?
1: Um, I think for, hmm. for Pinterest, I was looking for very evocative pieces. Um, there is a Japanese artist um his surname is yamamoto i'm so sorry i don't remember his his (laughs) first name um but he has this one piece um of this woman kind of it's almost it it really reminds me of gustav klimt almost Mm -hmm. like and she's kind of like um whooshing across the screen um but it just gives you a sense and a feeling right Mm -hmm. so everything that i pinned for afterlife was kind of a surreal piece that tried to evoke an emotion in some way yeah um and that's kind of where i started um to inspire myself to continue writing because sometimes you just need to look at beautiful things mm-hmm. um so it kind of surreal and also the color palette like if you look at some of the pieces that we have um on our kickstarter for afterlife that is very much the color palette that um that i've pinned as well so like dreamy
2: yeah um,
1: like almost yeah like it just it takes you into that dreamy memory state right yeah um my afterlife playlist <laughs> is a little less um a little less like coordinated right because like you know how music i don't know like if you're the same with me with music it's like <coughs> all right i've created this beautiful playlist and i'm totally willing to show people but now I'm going to add this country song in. It <laughs> makes no sense. You know what I mean? Just because like, you need that when you're writing.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: So my afterlife playlist like started off kind of really cool, gothy, witch-pop type things. And then slowly got, like, I don't want to say trashier, but like, <laughs> I added some pop songs in there. Like, yeah. I'm not willing Anybody later on,
0: either. yeah. No, I I listened to it today, and I was as I was, was kind of like preparing for this, and I was like, All right, all right, I, I get it. And then I was like, oh, Okay, you know, uh, we, we went through uh Johnny Cash, and then uh, later on, there's definitely some more like uh pop songs, and just kind of yeah. like-, <laughs> <laughs> like
1: if you if you see the order in which I added the songs, you can see the moment I gave up on trying to make my playlist cool. Um, you're like, I
0: just want to listen to this now, <laughs> and
1: I think Probably the moment I didn't think anyone else was going to read that blog
0: post. (laughs) (laughs) I will have you know, I read every single one of them. Uh, Oh, so for people watching, uh, if you are are interested in in checking out her uh, Pinterest and Spotify, I have those in the links. Uh, If you are watching from YouTube later on, they will be right there on the details. I encourage you to check them out. They're amazing. Whether you're kind of just wanting to look at something cool while you're surfing the Internet or want to listen to something kind of in that groove of afterlife.
1: <laughs> you only listen to the first fifteen songs and then forget about everything. <laughs> Yo, you'll,
0: you'll 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 see the change when it happens. <laughs> you, you peek your head out and look around. Uh, so we have uh, a, a person, uh, delinquents, uh, has asked on the subject of music and inspiration. Was there one song that stood out more than the rest that sparked your creativity on this game?
2: Um.
1: I have to be honest and say no. I'm so sorry. Like I'm just I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I don't think so. I just think the general I think feeling of loss, like you mentioned Johnny Cash, right? Like mm-hmm. I think I heard have hurt on the playlist.
0: Yeah.
2: Hurt does, and like, uh, cover, yeah, and
1: it's brilliant. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Like I dare say, and I hope we don't have any nine inch nails fans, but like it's better than the original. <laughs> <laughs> don't kill me yeah, they're coming uh, after us yeah. <laughs> um but like that evoke a certain emotion right like that loss and that loss of memory so to kind of put you in the mind of the wanderer that was kind of my goal when creating that playlist so that i could <laughs> empathize with these people in some way yeah um but there's not one song that really like I played over and over and over again, besides for, like, maybe Britney Spears' Toxic. And that is just, like, <laughs> so far from the theme of Afterlife. But just, like, sometimes you need to listen to Toxic on repeat, you know?
2: <laughs>
0: I do like that song. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I mean, like, it also, like, because it's a song I know so well, like, it just gets you into this, like, I'm just writing something and I'm not even hearing what I'm listening to.
0: <laughs> yeah. Determined Nerd says uh, Nine Inch Nails fan, uh, but definitely got Johnny Cash cover is, is infinitely better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think uh oh The Terminerd said even uh I even think uh Nine Inch Nails admitted uh Johnny Cash's cover was better as well. So Really? <laughs> someone I mean, someone solid. backed that up, but <laughs> it makes yeah, sense. Yeah,
1: no that it's solid, man. Like and I, I like Nine Inch Nails too, but just like when I heard that I'm like, Oh man, like he did something to that song.
0: It is, yeah. And I, I remember listening to that when Logan came out. Um and uh, I, I couldn't help but draw parallels between like the afterlife and, and Logan's kind of in journey with in, in relation to the song just, just you know this very gruff tired wanderer trying to to find something uh, of worth in this kind of land of desolation and, and greed and you know oh and that gritty like vocals of, of Johnny Cash <sighs> yeah. yeah he's
1: yeah but Johnny Cash all right. But yeah, he just, he just jumped
0: into me. <laughs> me me too. <laughs> so in twenty fourteen you started Angry Hamster Publishing. First off, I, I have a quick question. The name.
1: Yeah. Have you played Baldur's Gate?
0: I have not. My wife a- just went through got uh got done playing it.
1: Uh there's a there's a miniature giant space hamster and his name's Boo. Um, <laughs> and he's awesome uh, he doesn't play like a huge part in the game but he goes for the eyes and he's angry or like he's with a barbarian it's a whole thing um, but like I love Boo uh, so when I was trying to think of a, um, a name for my company at first I thought of like all these kind of cool names Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and my partner at the time he's like Angry Hamster Publishing I was like huh very funny my name, is my game company is going to be named something super classy. And then just the moment he said that, I was like, all right. Yeah, that's it, like, that's it. That's it. That's it. Like, it fits. It's memorable. I I don't know if it's like it was the smartest business decision. I
0: like it. I think it, you know, it definitely, uh, it's something I remember. I was like, oh, that's an interesting name. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: at, least like, at least people remember the name, right? Like, <laughs>
0: It's this image of this angry hamster lives on. (laughs) So, um, once again, 2014, started the publishing company, uh, an endeavor that has led to three successful Kickstarters. I know you did one, Monsters, but was that under the Angry uh, Hamster Publishing?
1: It was. So, basically, um, Kickstarter did this Make 100 thing. Mm -hmm. It was this cool initiative where they just asked creators to make, like, 100 of something. So, I was like, That sounds like fun. That's something I want to do in my January. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I actually, I got together with a really talented illustrator. Her name's Jennifer Bone. And um, she ended up illustrating a story I had written when I was seven years old. And I turned that story into a dungeon crawl. Um, So yeah, so then we just, we turned it into this mini mini Kickstarter. We like kind of finished it and it was really cool. Like I was happy to have (laughs) published that yeah
0: and it looked like a lot of fun the the r and just kind of the the, the nice little uh it, i think it is something i would probably show my kid
1: definitely <laughs> I mean, it is straight from the mind of a seven-year-old so like I, guess I mean, there's like there's people losing their bikinis and like towels falling and i was a very strange seven-year-old <laughs> and monster a huge monster
2: <laughs>
0: And then so there was there was Monster, there was uh Witch Fate of Souls, which was your first one. Oh man, and then Tales uh the second one. Tales of Familiars of Terra. Yeah, familiars of Terra. Um so all this awesome things that, that have been happening in the last like couple years uh, and such. Can you describe kind of what was that that leap of faith like when you first wrote, was like, you know, I'm gonna put this on Kickstarter and you know, whatever happens, happens.
1: I mean, it was... I honestly... So, like, I had done a lot of promotion for Witch because I'm someone who can't, like, let things go. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I'm just going to try my best to to promote this game um, to all these cool people who <laughs> have no idea who I am. Like, I remember sending... I had printed out like copies of witch and I had like found them together in like, mm-hmm. you know, those plastic sheets that you put reports in. Yes. <laughs> I sent it out to a bunch of people and I sent them out to, I sent it out to one shot uh, podcast mm-hmm. a podcast too. Huge fan of one shot. And I was like, there's no way they're going to read it. And they ended up reading it and putting it out there. So that was like amazing, but I still didn't think that witch would be a success
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, in terms of like, I very much thought, that my family and friends were going to take pity on me and then like at the end of the 30 days I would just scrape by enough money to like make the game and have this cool memory, you know what I mean? Like yeah. have this kind of period in my life where I made this book. Um but it turned out we were I think we were funded in under 2 days um and we made over $15,000 so it was amazing. Like, <laughs> it was <laughs> beyond anything that I had expected and really had it kind of launched me into the industry and gave me the ability to start freelancing and my own company yeah. so it was it was amazing like I just I was so overwhelmed by people's generosity and like that sounds very strange like silly to say because I guess a lot of people say that um but I just I didn't have time to think about how scary it was because I was just so overwhelmed about how how nice people were and how much they yeah. liked the company.
0: No, it's it's completely understandable. I mean, for 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 me in this whole endeavor, like it's it's been a labor of love from everyone else, and it's always amazing to see how many people will come out and support you, even though you kind of have those those thoughts, like, oh no, this is gonna be bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes you feel more human in a way because I think <laughs> when you when you put yourself out there, and I guess it's the same with the t- Twitch stream, like until until people start interacting back with you. Um, it kind of feels like you're on this island, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, the moment people come out for you and actually start interacting with you and saying, like, hey, this is cool, or, like, let me ask you a question, like, it just, it really means so much, you know?
0: Yeah. And, you know, you're really just kind of, you're you're building this community, um, which is always, like, kind of the, 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 the shooting star where kind of we all try to uh, shoot for in these endeavors. Um, and I, I remember on your, kind of, one of your latest... Post sometime this earlier this year about kind of the things that you wanted for Angry Hamster Publishing uh, in terms of kind of building a stronger community and, and stuff like that. Um, so uh, I know at that time you you still uh, didn't have the exact like what you wanted to do, but did you have kind of any ideas now about what exactly that will mean now that you're going full time into kind of the Angry Hamster Publishing?
1: I mean, so. I have an idea of what it's going to look like in the future. Um, I'm not going to share that yet, though, because it's it's something that I'm working on still, and I, I don't want to pitch it until it's like completely <laughs> of done. Course, of course. Um, But in general, like at least in these past few months, I've tried to be more cognizant um, with interacting with people mm-hmm. um, and kind of genuine interactions on social media, right? Um, because that's something that I had started doing uh when I was promoting Witch, and that's mostly because I would, had just kind of gotten into the international roleplay community. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was just cool and interesting to like hear about people. And then somewhere along the way, I lost that, mm-hmm. um, and social media became more of a chore, right? Like it just became this slog of like, oh god, I have to put a have to put a blog post out. I should like this, you know what I mean? Like I stopped yeah yeah. And like I stopped geeking out with the people, who kind of make up the community. So I trying to in, in earnest these uh these past uh, few months to be a little more present on there right and like try to communicate and be there with people yeah um, if that
2: makes any
0: sense oh definitely there's a very fine line uh with something that's like you know something you enjoy and love to do and then kind of becomes a, a chore um sometimes and it, it just kind of wiggles and wobbles based on at least for me kind of like how my day is going and and what's happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's something I'm really excited for. Uh, cause you know, I afterlife is such an amazing game uh, and I checked out your other games, which seems like the most enticing for me, but, uh, Tara, uh, looks really interesting. Uh, it, it looks amazing. And, uh, I remember in a, in a post, uh, you talked about like, um, you know, how it's okay to be the, the serious good guy and how it's kind of so refreshing. Um, and that that you know, I, I think I commented on that. It might have been that or another one. Um, but I mean, can can you talk a little bit more about that in, in terms of what you were thinking about when you wrote that post? And I guess why it's it's so refreshing to to sometimes play the good guy.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think so. Like, I think like, we've talked very briefly about the games you like, and I see some of your games in the background. Yeah. So. Um, so. But like, you know, I play a lot of dark games, right? Like, or like at least like you know, like. I am suffering in my own drama of my drama. Yeah, and yeah. like, everyone else is suffering in the drama of the darkness and blah, 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 blah. Um, and, like, everyone's a shade of gray. And, like, let's spend three hours debating whether or not what we're doing is right. Mm-hmm. When all secretly we know if we were faced with this in real life, we would think we were the most evil jerks
2: in the yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so I think, like, when I was creating Familiars of Tara, I, I wanted to give the people ability the ability to be a hero, right? Mm -hmm. And a hero without, um, where you had to make moral choices, but they were human moral choices, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, should we share this information with the police or should we keep this information to ourselves? So Mm -hmm. for example, like what's going to do the greatest good? Um, Because I think sometimes in a role play game that can be refreshing because I think the mundane dramas we face are enough. Right? Yeah, yeah. And when you're in a fantastical world and you have a magical animal, because that's familiar to Terra, you have a magical companion that's basically a Pegasus that can like fly you around and you're doing epic deeds and you have titles, right? Like you're the savior of Emerald and all these other things. Like sometimes it's okay for you to be that hero, right? And yeah. sometimes it's okay for you to struggle with like the Superman struggle, which is just like, oh no, I'm so awesome. <laughs> but like, I must do the right thing. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's so much fun in a game to like, give yourself that permission to be good. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, definitely. And to,
1: like give yourself the permission to say, you know what, like me just struggling with like wanting to get home to my kids on time. Cause I'm a hero. Like that's a struggle. Like that's an actual thing. Yep.
2: You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. It was, it was refreshing, you know, uh, cause you know, I, I've, I got, I got done playing Colts and changing the lost and like uh, Delta Greed and all this, you know, just kind of going through the mud and it, it's nice to just kind of shake it off and be like, all right, I'm a good guy. <laughs> I
1: think Also like, and to celebrate each other, like when you do something awesome, right? Yeah. And to have people celebrate you too, because like, for example, like my friends and I, we played like the longest campaign of vampire the masquerade. Like it lasted 10 years and like, Ooh three apocalypses (laughs) (laughs) um, and i think like no one ever celebrated my players i was the gm so i could have celebrated them but i didn't Mm -hmm. um (laughs) like no one ever celebrated them when they averted the the gehenna for like the 15th time you know what i mean like no one ever celebrated them when they spared that mortal in the alleyway you know so it just Sometimes it feels really good to just be like, whoop, whoop, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, I I think that's a, you know, as you know, a GM, you know, that's a good point to just kind of be like, you you did this thing, you know, it it'd be nice. I'm sure the players are really appreciate it, uh, for the world to respond in a positive way for something cool and nice that they did, you know. Because yeah. normally you're just like backstabbing people, and you're like that. F- my friend of mine is probably a tremere uh <laughs> covert
2: oh, <my>. off yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah no yeah exactly like i just think like and because and in real life too right like when you see heroes you're you're the first person to be like oh my god you did a good thing you mm-hmm. know <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's awesome to have uh uma chica says always important to celebrate characters makes the rp more fun so yeah definitely definitely
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and, and like celebrate them without any ulterior motive, because, like, to say I never celebrated my character, like, my vampire characters <clears throat> is maybe, like, unfair, mm-hmm. but I definitely celebrated them so, like, later on I could crush them harder. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta build them up and...
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, like, like, you know, if, if it's just constantly dark, it's not good. You need the ups and downs, so if, like, you have a really high, then you're gonna have a real low as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no,
0: I, my players can, uh, can, can understand that. <laughs> uh so so I have a personal question very important. Uh what's your favorite masquerade clan?
1: Tamichi, always.
0: Ooh, always. okay. All right. What
1: well, what's your favorite clan?
0: Uh I'm I'm a Tremere. Oh! Always. Oh. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> In my
1: first game I outlawed anyone playing Tremere. <laughs> like any clan. But the plan you can't play is Tremere. We'll debate this later. I think this might be a separate show.
0: Yeah, another show. (laughs) Why you should ban Tremere characters?
1: (laughs) We can set it up like one of those school debates. Like we each get five minutes to say. Have the
0: have the people vote. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> i'll have all my tremere brethren come out from the woodwork for this this will, this will be this will be great <laughs> okay. with so all so of our yeah yeah all of our blood match it's just gonna turn into like some pvp like masquerade match with like this misi <laughs> versus tremere and this the whole city burns <laughs> uh but yeah check that out next time for penny for a tale uh talk show turned uh street fight <laughs>
1: then team, team Salubri is going
0: to come out of nowhere yeah
2: like, oh my gosh <laughs>
0: Salubri. those are the real bad guys
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> i'm leaving thank you for the interview <laughs> it,
0: oh, was, a, it was awesome i appreciate it <laughs> oh all right Let, let's get back on on, on task on focus <laughs> um so, uh, what's your favorite project that you've worked on, and why? Because I know you've done a lot of freelancing, um, and of course, you can always say your own projects. Uh, but kind of want to hear your thoughts?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'll, 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 I'll name a freelance project simply because I think like working on your own stuff is so much more fulfilling than working on other, like so you can't compare them, right? Yeah, like
2: yeah.
1: Or at least like I mean I think if I was free full time freelancing, then of course I'd I'd be able to. But like I just, I really love doing my own projects, mm-hmm. so like my ego will just let me go on <laughs> and on about that. Um, but I have two projects which came to mind, which are kind of like separate. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing is that I really, really loved um, being the lead developer for the Crescent Empire book for John mm-hmm. Wick Presents 7C Second Edition. That's a mouthful. <laughs> um, it was the second book that I developed for them. And um, I am a big fan of Middle Eastern folklore um, and culture and everything um, kind of surrounding that culture, the different cultures there. Um, So the book meant a lot to me. um, And I was so excited that they invited me back to do a second book with them. Um, And so that was just a very, and also like, you know, working for a big company. Yeah. And you know, taking at least at that level, taking a book from A to Z, was just like such such a learning experience for me, and then also so rewarding because I loved the subject material so much.
0: It's so good. Oh. Seven C is one of my favorite games.
1: I am a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I wrote uh, the Book of Lore mm-hmm. for Magpie Games and their game Bluebeard's Bride. And I love that because, first of all, one of my very, very good friends is one of the creators of uh, of Bluebeard's Bride, and it's a beautiful game, right? Like, yeah, even if she wasn't gorgeous. my friend, the game that these three women created—Marissa um, Kelly, Whitney Strix Train, and uh, Sarah Richardson—is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and they asked me to write a storybook for it, so like, write the tale of Bluebeard with all these different endings to it, and that was just a great honor and also it was cool because I'd never written a storybook before so mm-hmm. that was just like it was so different than RPG work and it was great to like kind of develop that with them and write it and yeah very cool <laughs>
0: that's awesome yeah I, that's a, that's interesting because I, I just got done talking to uh Mark uh from Magpie Games uh who's who's kind of made the cartel stuff um <laughs> I just got done talking to him today um but yeah Magpie Games such great stuff and The art for Bluebeard. Yeah,
1: I mean, Marissa really, Marissa is a very, very talented art director, and she was my art director for Crescent Empire, actually. Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I've, I've worked with her for a while, and she's just, I mean, her eye for how she wants the book to go, and then how she gets it there is just... Extremely
0: talented. Yeah. Well, if you ever see her, uh, let her know that she had me in terms of that, bo- that book, like, just from the cover. I saw that and I didn't need anything else but the cover. It was just...
1: It, you had me at the cover. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
0: gorgeous. <laughs> um, all right. So um, you you kind of mentioned uh, in, in blogs and stuff like that, uh, you talked about um, uh, some of the struggles you've experienced in breaking into the industry. Um, You know, it's hard uh, for everyone. I I spoke to a good amount of kind of indie people who definitely uh, face the same thing. Um, But what would you say were some of the kind of the the biggest personal challenges uh, for you in in terms of breaking in?
1: Um, I think for me, um, once I actually started getting opportunities um, in the industry, it was very hard for me to say no um uh right so like i said yes to every single project not a bad thing for me career wise like Mm -hmm. for breaking in wise it made me well known amongst publishers quickly Mm -hmm. um but i think i think it i suffered a bit because i don't think that i took all the lessons from all the assignments that i could have if i had done less Mm -hmm right because um, i think after every project there's a time where you need to reflect um even if it's a small like a thousand word i'm gonna write this one thing for this one company um like you need a moment to actually think about what you've done in the process yeah and, and like i actually i i when i started i had this policy of like you know doing like asking for feedback for example um and then like you know and if, if the feed like you know like did you like working with me is there something about my writing can i do better um and then like you know halfway through i think the first year or something it got so overwhelming that i was just like knocking out work um to the point where like i even went back like two years later for like a publisher that i work with like very regularly and i'm like do you have any feedback for me like (laughs) i'm assuming my work's okay enough that you keep hiring me but yeah you know and i i think that was that was kind of to my detriment um just like Development-wise, as a writer, um, and in terms of breaking in, I think uh, one thing that everyone experiences is that you're you're not going to get paid what you want to get paid. <laughs> um, you're in a lot of big companies, and I like don't mean to be like, ooh, indie companies are the best to work for because <laughs> I'm an indie company. Um, <laughs> but big companies don't pay you what you're worth mm-hmm. um, and they don't pay you for the amount of work you're going to be doing um, because if you're writing for a very well-known line for example they're going to expect you to have that lexiconic knowledge of a fan basically and they're going to expect that you're a fan um, and you want to just write something for them and it's it's kind of like your honor in which to do so and it is an honor right? yeah like yeah you're writing for a game you love <laughs> But then they'll do something like offer you two cents a word and you'll think, well, I'm an unknown nobody and I really want to write for this. Um, and, and that was a big struggle for me, right? Like, yeah, I saying yes to these things. And once you get in at that level um, and you don't even try asking more, right? Like, it's very hard to step up. Yeah. Uh, and it's very hard to break through um, that thing of like, well, you accepted three cents and this is only the third thing you're writing for us. So, you know what I mean? Like that's uh that's very difficult. And I definitely learned some lessons there.
0: Yeah. I mean, that sounds difficult. I mean, uh, definitely you, you want to, you know, get your, get your name out there, right. The exposure, uh, kind of dilemma where you need it, but you know, you obviously big companies, any company definitely needs to, to pay, um, Uh, what's appropriate for for the people um you know it's it's an honor but yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i i also think like so that's not also on um and that's not to say to anybody listening that like that's just on you right to ask like what you're worth um but that's very much on the companies too like i i now when writing or asked to write for larger companies Mm -hmm and I see what they offer, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I pay double what you pay as a starting rate because like, you can't pay people like this. Like, and they don't have to have lexiconic knowledge of my game because my game is only 15 pages at this point. You know, <laughs> like, it's just, it, it's, you know, so I, I really, and I think a lot of indie publishers have echoed me if you've asked them this same yeah. question that like, I really hope that at one point all our small companies that are paying people appropriately, Start just like putting so much shame on these larger companies that they do something about their policies, right? Yeah, because it's it's not like they don't have the money. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you you kind of hope. At least this is my hope, you know. Especially with Kickstarter and you know now that tabletop is getting a little bit more mainstream, more people are checking it out. Uh, so there's more kind of support for different types of games. You hope that like these these great inspirational creative. Uh, super cool like indie uh game designers that they you know in about 10 years become like the industry giants but also take kind of what they learned in that that small space uh, and continue to to show love and support for for all creative types in the industry Um, so that's my hope that you all get like super famous
2: (laughs) super successful
1: I hope so, too, like, and, and, like, you know, the ones with good policies, too, because I also just think, like, even if someone is doing this as a hobby, right, mm-hmm. and they're willing to write 2,000 words for you, and they know everything to know about blood magic in the Tremere, even though the Tremere is, like, trash plan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, But, like, you'd, you'd hope that, like, still that fan would be respected enough to be paid for the time that they're investing in writing something awesome for you. Yeah, and that's, I'm, I'm just using this as a random example, not as any actual company who's done this, yeah, but yeah, you know yeah, what I definitely. mean? Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the chat is very much on, on your side in terms of, yes. yeah, we got, we have, uh, I know yes. S- uh, South 2012 writes, uh, and it sounds like a couple of them uh, do so as well. Um, so yeah definitely (laughs) Um, so what's the the biggest piece of advice since we have some people on the the chat writing and freelancing and such like that um, what would be your biggest advice for someone trying to break into the RPG industry
1: Um, don't be afraid to ask for work (laughs) don't be afraid to email stalk as many people as possible um, send them your writing work Tell them how much you respect their work and what they do um, and ask if they have anything for you because a lot of the jobs I got when I started off is that I connected with people on social media and I just sent them my stuff and I was like, if there's any chance that you have anything, like, I will write two sentences for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Do it and, and don't be afraid. Like, I, I know a lot of people like suffer from imposter syndrome and stuff like that, but like, I think the worst... The, you're, you're your worst enemy right oh, yeah. and like I promise you whatever you send into them like someone has sent something worse and like just <laughs> never read like I read the first thing that I had ever sent in to Onyx Path Publishing <laughs> like when I really really I wanted to work on Changeling the Lost uh... and I sent to this piece and I was so proud of it i was just like you know i'm gonna go look back at like that piece i sent in and, and never look back right? so <laughs> send in a lot and because also as a publisher i really appreciate that when people contact me because it shows you actually want to work for me
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so send a lot of stuff out and tell people how much you like their stuff and two don't look back and feel <laughs> shame for what you wrote you're fine all of our stuff sucks at the start you know <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean I remember uh we had Dennis uh, Detwiller, the creative uh creative director for Arc, uh, who makes Delta Green. Uh and he he had the same same thing in mind. The work from his early days, uh he, he didn't even want to touch and talk about. Like it's you know, it's definitely the, the progression is, is is great and looking back it's uh it can be terrifying at times. <laughs>
1: yeah and i mean like it's not that you can't be proud of what you've done Mm -hmm. but like don't look back with the knowledge that you have now because that's just a world of pain
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is so fair all right so um uh for the chat feel always feel free to ask questions uh just send it out. I'll make sure to, to, to bring it on to the show. Uh, but on to uh, another topic, uh, which is the uh, – there's a financial barrier to games that can make it difficult. Uh, yep. Uh <laughs> to try to, like, try out new games uh, for people to just kind of get involved. Yeah. Um, Game companies are becoming a little bit more cognizant of that. Uh, I know, for example, like Avery Alder, the creator of Monster Hearts, uh, has like this special discount that's like, you know, if you're going through financial issues, buy this book at this price, you know, which I think is awesome. Uh, And you on your blog mentioned several other uh, uh, things that industry leaders are are doing uh, to help with that. Um, But why do you think this is such an important issue? uh, And how can game companies help?
1: I mean, I think it's an important issue because essentially what we're doing is make pretend, right? And like, that's the cheapest thing you could possibly do. We all do it like when we're kids,
2: right? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I also think that like as an industry, we strive to be inclusive. Um, So, you know, no matter your gender, no matter your race, no matter your skin tone, anything Mm -hmm. like that, your sexuality. We want to be inclusive, or at least I, I believe and I hope that's where the industry is going.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Um, and I think one thing that we forget is that like our books are very expensive. And so it's actually like a lot of nerdisms, right, are, are almost an elitist hobby if you want to do them legally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like no one wants to download your role play game. You know, um, no one wants to download that PDF for free if they know that they could pay for what they're giving you, or at least that's my belief, most people, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But you need to give them that opportunity, right? Like, people need that chance to say, like, hey, I don't have the money. I'd love to play your game. What can I do? Yeah. Um, So for me, I think that's why it's important. Also, um, myself growing up, um, I didn't have the most amount of money. You know, my mom worked three jobs. Like she put me through school. Um and like I had a lot of PDFs of role play games that weren't exactly legal. Um I've now bought said role play games because now I'm making my own money. <coughs> um but like if I could have paid for those games, like I would have done it in a heartbeat because they meant so much to me. right
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um so and I think that we forget that and and like, you know, there's also I've I Been in debates with people where they're like, for example, like D D book, like a new fifth edition book is like fifty-four dollars now or something. Yeah, yeah.
0: They they never go below (laughs) forty-five.
1: No, No. so like and they're like, Well, it's only fifty bucks, and if you split it between four or five people, and I'm like, that's fifty bucks is still a lot of money, right? Like that's still a lot of money. And if you're choosing between that and like for example going to school with like maybe a cooler t-shirt that doesn't make you look so lame like you're not gonna choose the dnd book you're gonna download it and like i don't blame you
2: yeah <laughs> like,
1: like i i'm sorry if that's unpopular with my fellow publishers but like i just really don't blame people
0: yeah no i mean um uh that, the whole idea about splitting the cost of the group i have never seen that happen <laughs> no it's it, it's hard no.
1: I've never seen it happen. Like, I, I started, like, at conventions when I sell uh, when I sell witch books, I give free PDFs with it. And I'm like, yeah, so you can give them to your players. And someone was like, oh, you're telling me I should give these PDFs to my players? I'm like, yes. Like, I'm assuming one person in the group has a book and everyone else shares the PDFs because yeah. it's expensive. And, like, to, to think that that doesn't happen is very unrealistic. Yeah. And to expect that every player who maybe isn't able to afford it is going to buy your PDF is also ridiculous. Um.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I I mean, I I don't think I've ever been in a, a group where there was one person with the hardback and everyone else just had PDFs. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just where we are. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and obviously that's why... Uh, I forgot your second question because I, I got No, no, head it's head.
0: cool. Yeah, I love I love it. Uh, I'm actually going <laughs> to hop into some chats uh, because uh, they, people have some amazing things to say. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, so South2012 says, more RPG books should be paperback. Uh, too many RPG supplements are hardcover when there is no need for it. What do you think about that?
1: I mean no i mean i agree like out of principle it makes sense what what they're saying um i think that there is within some publishing um theories and like what i've talked to publishers about as well mm-hmm. is it's the fact that like D has that standard 8 by 11 size um in, which is recognizable and commercially successful um so if you go for the hardback full cover book you feel like you're gonna reach more people um and more distrib- more distributors are going to pick it up because distributors will then think you're like a serious company um so that's the only thing that like i mean and slowly like we're seeing that change as more industries become kind of like more indie companies get give out these paperback books and say like no this is a role play game yeah um but it's changing slowly right so like i agree with it on principle but there is like a commercial reason that people yeah.
0: do it i mean i for me i always a little bit am- apprehensive because i I could compare – I could show everyone my Masquerade book, which is a soft cover, uh, compared to, uh, you know, the, a D&D book that I've purchased way before then in my soft cover. Ooh, it is taking a beating. Um, but definitely the hard cover, at least for me, I, I've always kind of liked it a little bit better. Um uh, yeah,
1: my masquerade books held together with duct tape but like <laughs> it was the book it was the one book for our group of five people over 10 years so like yeah i don't think you can use it as
2: an example
0: yeah i i larped i because i had the the bns by night studios masquerade book that we larped with and i would take it you know from city the to, to game the game and people would like take it and i'd like give it back and just passed hands so many times and, and yeah it's it's struggling <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, like, indeed, maybe if they were all paperback, though, like, at least, like, if they were all, like, small black and white paperbacks, but, mm-hmm. like, not black and white, because I love my Yeah, I I, I have to have
0: color in it. I
1: have to have colors, but, like, okay, it can be paperbacks. <laughs> like, you know, maybe though, like you know, right? They're cheaper to buy. They're cheaper to produce. So, like, they're less dear than if you if you lose them.
2: Yeah, you know? and
0: I definitely would prefer an option, right? If you if you want to go hard back and spend a little bit more money on kind of like the, I guess, a premium experience in terms of what you can do with the paper involved, and the exterior cover, and then you know the the soft cover if you're on a budget and you know you just need something, uh, you just want to play the game. Um, yeah, options yeah. would be great. Uh, all right. So let's hop back over.
2: Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, I think they all just pretty much agree in terms of the, the hard cover, soft cover. <clears throat> uh, guys, let me know if there's anything you guys want me to ask because I'm looking through all of the. Uh... Oh, there we go. There we go. Uh, so how do you go about creating a new mechanical rule set for a game? Is it better to just go with an established system versus building a a better mousetrap?
1: I mean, if you want to make a lot of money, write something for Dungeons & Dragons. Like, look on Kickstarter right now, and if you want to make some money, you make something cool for Dungeons & Dragons. And, like, D20 system works, man. Like, I can't knock it, like tried it's trusted like we can debate what 20th level looks like and whether or not it's broken or not but like in general that dice system works right
0: yeah people enjoy it
1: people enjoy it um i think that you don't need to recreate the wheel but i think when you design a game system um not all mechanics will work how they are presented in another game um and you can see that for example like when people do apocalypse world hacks right like they don't just yeah. take the basic moves and slap them on to another game and it's the same thing with like if i was going to use a d20 system for afterlife there's no mechanical system in there for example for when someone experiences a memory um which we do have an afterlife so like mm-hmm. i would have to build that in yeah um so You're going to find, at least I believe, like a lot of the base rolling mechanics can kind of all be split into like, oh, that's based off that, based off that. But when you get into more of the nuance of the game, and I think when you get into a good game, um, where you see those variations are things that people have designed themselves, which only really fit within the one game that they're creating. Mm -hmm. Even though the base die system of whether you roll a handful of d6s or a d20 can pretty much be pasted on to each other you
0: know excellent all right so let me go back to the second part of the question that we kind of (laughs) went on a tangent on uh which is awesome and then then talk to some people uh uh, thank you uh umachika for the question uh actually we got another question uh from delinquents uh on the topic of afterlife itself It's probably pretty obvious that there is a spiritual aspect of it. Uh, Did you conduct research into the different spiritual beliefs of different cultures to influence your decisions?
1: So originally, Afterlife um, started with a bit of a Judeo-Christian slant Mm -hmm. uh, because I was thinking of using the um, seven heavenly virtues and the seven deadly sins. As a way in which people connect with their past memories, um, but I very quickly realized that having that kind of concept encapsulate what a memory was, right, mm-hmm. like having to link it to one of those fourteen things, which is actually quite a lot, was still very limiting. Because mm-hmm. I think, like you know, obviously the complexity of human experience can't be boiled down to these fourteen things.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and then once I kind of realized that, I started scrapping. Um, That thought of having an all encompassing religion or belief that defined the afterlife, um, because I wanted it to be weirder, right? I wanted it to be, I shouldn't belong here, right? Who anyone who came to the Tenebris would just think, uh, No, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) This is nothing I've ever heard of before, yeah. Um, so, like, research very early on went into a lot of afterlives, and then I was like, okay, what can I do to flip that? So, indeed, like, there was the moment that came, like, I know all this stuff now. What can I do to, like, rail against that? So, when you go into the book of afterlife, when you look into, like, for example, limbos, mm-hmm. which are these, like, gateways to um, different afterlives, so you could assume maybe heaven, hell, or whatever, um, they're all very alien. Mm-hmm. They're all... Um, things you won't expect and then what we're kind of doing with the stretch goals for example is that we do have some authors who kind of want to go into that more traditional afterlife and like I encourage people who are playing to do that as well But I think, like, that's not something you need me to write. That's something that you can look up on Wikipedia, like, every good GM, five minutes before your session starts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is fair. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, uh, Diloquence, for the uh, question. Uh, Feel free to ask more. Uh, And I think I have found the the second part of the the question, uh, uh, which was when we were talking about financial barriers and stuff like that. Though I think we might have covered it in kind of our previous meandering. Um, how can game companies help?
1: Um, Well, I think, like, there's people leading that, right? So there's, like, Avery with her company. There's also, like, um, After the War War by Jason Pitt, he actually did a really cool thing, which was he did buy a copy, give a copy, which I thought was fantastic, right? So, like, for people who do have the means, you buy a book and you give a book to someone who doesn't. Um, I think that's fantastic. I think also just people being more realistic about what's happening to their product, right? So Mm -hmm. maybe, like, when you... Like, (coughs) Wizards of the Coast. (laughs) (laughs) When you you sell that, like, $50 book, maybe just give a free PDF along with it so that all the players can play as well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just even if you think about, like, they want kids to play it, right? Like, Dungeons & Dragons is on Stranger Things. Like, you are marketing it... To like a younger audience, are you really gonna like steal like six five year olds pocket money for a year? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like Ten, twelve year olds, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, give them the PDF so that their parents don't have to shell out all that money when they could be like buying their kids food or like a field trip somewhere, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I love it when games have the PDF in, uh, included with the uh, uh, the physical copy. It's yeah. Otherwise, you're doing character creation. It's going to take like two hours, and everyone moves the book around. Um, ooh, so we got another question from Umachika. Uh What's your approach to world building? Uh, how nuanced and detailed is too much? Uh, uh, and uh, they say, because I get stuck doing that forever and never uh, never writing the story that's supposed to go with it. Uh, so what's your approach to world building, and how nuanced and detailed is too much?
2: Um,
1: (laughs) my approach to world building is haphazard and disorganized. (laughs) (laughs) Um, if I'm being completely honest, I think I I like to think about what people believe. I myself am an atheist, (laughs) but like, which makes me overly focused as a game designer on what people's belief systems are and how things are organized. So I kind of get into there, like, you know, what's the belief system? Where does that come from? And how does the cosmology of your world develop from there? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, in terms of detail, I think it really depends on what you're creating. Um, If you're struggling, though, with creating something that's so overworked or you're getting so into it, my one suggestion that I would give you, which I give all game designers who ask me for advice, is like, play your game. Um, and I know that sounds crazy, but like, even if you don't have a dice system, like, you know, take a D20 system, take a basic D6 system or like a handful of D10s and play your game. Mm-hmm. And that by living in the world you've created is the only way you're going to see if it's too much. And it's also the only way you're going to see where your holes are. Right. Like it's the same thing for afterlife. Um, when I started playing, I hadn't developed any species that lived in the Tenebris. But they're like, well, what do the inhabitants look like, for example? So I had all these limbos worked out. I had all these weird places people could visit. And I didn't have anyone to populate them with, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have any politics going on. And I realized that's important for a game. Um, So, like, that would be my advice to the person who asked that question. Just stop yourself, like, where you are now. Like, I don't know what you're creating. I would love to know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: Go ahead but, and post like, it. Yeah, post it. Like, stop <clears throat> And, and play a couple games and then you're going to see where it's overworked. And you're going to see things that people don't even want to touch with a 10 foot pole. And then you just cut them, kill your darlings as fast and quickly as possible. <laughs> so you don't get too attached to them.
0: That's fair. I like it. Yeah. Uh, they, they responded. Oh, I like that advice. It's good <laughs> advice. <laughs> um, so in an industry that is, uh, that is ever changing, um, what changes would you like to see most in the industry? And what would you kind of like to see remain the same?
1: Um, I, mean, I think there's a lot of things like to say for like, we need more diversity. Um, we need more diverse voices. Um, but I think one thing that I'd like to see change in the industry to help promote all the things that we obviously very mm-hmm. much want to get to as a, as a hobby is more open and honest discussion with each other. Um, and the ability to question each other's, um, the ability to question each other's ideas, Mm -hmm. um, and what we're developing and how we're working without so much hurt. Right. Um, and that we maybe take each other, just in the genuineness of our words, like, I love feedback, right? Like, so mm-hmm. I'm this person who's like, give me feedback. And then when you give me feedback, like, I want to talk about it. And I want to be like, okay, why did you think that? Like, what do you think would work better? Um, And I would I would love if that would be kind of embraced mm-hmm. overall, right? So, like, if someone disses your favorite game, like, instead of being like, well, F you, be like, why do you think that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because, like, I I genuinely think, like, you know, we're so interested in these games, but we're less interested in each other and what we think, you know, and this game, the games are all about connecting with each other, so that just seems so obtuse to me, Um, and, you know, it's a lot of internet culture, too, but, like, I'd really like to see that change. Yeah, definitely. That. Um, Stay the same, like, I love the hobby, and I, (laughs) a lot of people are like, do we really need to hear this game? Like, do we need this game? Like... And I am always here for, like, the 50,000th fantasy game that I see come up. So, like, I hope people keep doing that. Like, I hope that they keep making games about elves and dwarves and orcs and, like, in medieval fantasy. And, like, I will play it and I will be there. And, like, I hope that never stops. Yeah. I hope that people don't get to the point where they're like, I have to create something new and unique. I'm like, or you could just create something cool. Because There's going to be someone who's going to play it and, like, no one's reinventing the wheel at this point so just like do your thing yeah. enjoy yourself. yeah you know? <laughs> like,
0: yeah have fun doing it and you're gonna you're gonna uh make someone happy
1: yeah yeah like i mean you're gonna make someone happy and there's no reason that you shouldn't create just because you don't think you're unique because every idea is unique you yeah. know like
0: <laughs> uh so actually determine the nerd says and kind of going back to that that you know the accepting uh, and, and such uh, says, or maybe this is the
2: Tremere. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh,
0: Delinquents uh, says, sadly, TTRPGs is rampant with comfort zones. Uh, players and DMs tend to just stick with only a few systems. Then you have the oddball uh, like me with 50 plus rule sets on my desktop. I'm the same way, Delinquents. <laughs> same way. I'm
1: not going to show anybody my library, my little library. <laughs> <name>. like, <laughs> look at all the beautiful things I will never play.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just pretty much all the PDFs are on top of all the important documents, like taxes and like you know, all the real, but you know, the real important stuff is on top. You know, I got to do my games.
1: <laughs> I'm like, if I print this character sheet out, like, it makes it more real, and I'll play it then, right? You know, so I have, like, stacks of character sheets as well, which is just shameful.
0: Yeah, I, uh, let's see if I can pull it out without... Uh, this is... <laughs> this is what I got right now when I organized all the, uh, games and such, and, yeah, it's... Uh,
2: <laughs>
0: it's the only time I've ever organized. <laughs> um... All right, I, I I believe, guys. Did you guys have any more questions? Because I know it's late for you, and we we really do appreciate you uh you, you coming out and hanging with us.
1: I'm good, but this is still early for me. I ran a game from two a.m. to six a.m. <laughs> and like I was so enthusiastic about it because I really wanted to run the game for these people. And at the end of it, like we got off, like we were live, and I just like. I just looked at one of my friends and I'm like, why did I do this? (laughs) (laughs) And then he was just like, let's go to bed. I'm like, okay.
0: (laughs) All right. You heard her. We're we're good for another five, six hours. (laughs) Let's do this.
1: (laughs) Get the dice out, people. (laughs) Let's
0: start a game. Uh, also for uh, uma chica uh, I, I noticed you put your your story uh, on there uh, if you are okay with that uh, I would at least like to put that in the the details of the YouTube uh, just so people can check it out and stuff like that um, but of course you know with your express permission uh, you can message me or whatever if, if you want if you want something like that to happen um, so yeah any more questions Um I know, uh, for me, I'm really excited about Tuesday.
1: <laughs> I'm excited to see how it goes when you run it. I'm probably, when it, what's it what time is it going live?
0: 8 p.m.
1: Oh, okay. I will be watching that on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, 8 p.m. my time. <laughs> okay,
1: cool, I know. That's a YouTube for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's probably one of my favorite things about uh, talking to people in different time zones and everything. It's, you know. You, you start to think about it.
1: <laughs> I, I'm the worst at scheduling meetings. Like, I, I've now been like, okay, double, triple check. But now Google has been my savior. So, like, anytime someone invites me for something, normally I send a calendar invite. And then I get an email back, like, Liz, it's wrong. <laughs> it's an hour <laughs> later. It's an hour earlier. Sorry. I sent the invite.
0: <laughs> yeah. Every time I'm, like, trying to set up a meeting, it's like, what time zone are you in? What time yeah. zone am I in? What's the UTC thing on that? Uh,
2: I yeah.
1: ended up I ended up scheduling a bunch of stuff with people in North America before um, before daylight savings here.
2: <laughs> oh and man!
1: Then it didn't. So then it didn't. Calendar didn't calculate daylight savings. So then, everything in the next month was like one hour later. So like all my <sighs> one a.m. meetings became two a.m. meetings, and I was just like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I am brought shame upon someone, just myself, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like.
0: Yeah, for me, I, I have sticky notes, which pretty much like are the border of my uh my screen, uh, and then I just start doing uh, uh, Google calendars. <laughs> Uh I believe we have a question. Uh <laughs> delinquent says flip the script. Does Elizabeth have a question for Mitchell? I don't know. My my thing is infinitely less interesting than 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 your stuff. <laughs>
1: uh I can like well who's Yeah. Um well I I can ask you a question, Mitchell. All right. Like I mean, what's the most interesting thing that you've learned like from like from a game designer? Like is there has there anything like recently that struck you and you've been like, Oh man?
0: Oh, I for for me talking to, to game designers, um I, I realize how much of uh fan people we are of each other. Um <laughs> You know, originally I thought it was a one race, one way street. Uh, but every time I, I message someone uh, over Kickstarter or email, and I'm like, "Hey, I, I really want your game on my show," and then they get excited, and I'm like, "I didn't think you'd be this excited," and I'm like, "Infinitely excited." Uh, it, it's it's I, I didn't think that would be a a thing, and it's really cool to just see like that that two way like. I'm excited that you're interested in my work, and then the other person is super excited about the interest in, in the other. Uh, so it's been really cool seeing that. <laughs>
1: You didn't expect game designers to be excited that you wanted to host their game?
0: No, I I thought I would be like, hey, do you can I host your game? Can I you know uh, do you mind like showing it off or like just being like, hey, so and I thought it'd be like a whole like task of being like, you know, I don't know, let me check out your stream, let me see if you guys are any good, et cetera, et cetera. But no, it was like everyone has been just like, yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah,
1: like, <laughs> you know, it's the it's the most flattering thing. So like, yeah, yeah. I can totally attest to yeah. that.
0: Man, which is which is weird because you know as uh oh uh, I, I think one of them said it uh yeah Uma Chica, you guys are like distant celebrities to to at least me and and definitely people in the chat and everything. So it's it's <laughs> interesting to see like the same kind of response or enthusiasm.
1: I had that the first time I went to Origins, like, seeing all the people who who wrote your game, like, the games you love in real life is just very, yeah, it's like, ooh, celebrity. And then, like, then you're like, oh, wait, I'm having a beer next to this person. Okay, this is cool. You know what I mean? Like, but it's definitely that step, right? Because, like, in the role-playing industry, it's definitely possible to meet your heroes if you want to, you know?
0: It is, yeah. And that, you know, thanks to this, I get to to meet my heroes, like, every week which is which is awesome and you definitely rank uh, among the, the heroes oh thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so they the chat definitely agrees agrees with that they're, they're gushing <laughs> uh so yeah I, I I think that is that is it uh because I, I know you uh don't want to keep you too long and uh we do have another show coming up at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is in 40 minutes. <laughs> um, so some things I need to plug uh, because I've had uh, my f- my co-writer on this uh, Symbarum adventure that we co-wrote together. In that they're doing the Simbarum contest, um, and I have completely forgot to plug it every time I am I am doing this uh but yes uh please check it out it is south 2012 if you could just put down the link that is where you can vote we did an awesome uh story called rite of passage which definitely gives you a unique perspective for simbarum the game uh if you ever played that it's a really cool game by free leagues Uh, they do a lot of great work over there um He's working on that now, so you'll see that. Uh, so there's my plug for that. Um, on the detail section, if you're watching on YouTube, you will see Uma Chica's uh, story and links, uh, and also send that over to you, Elizabeth. Uh, uh, just so if you want to check it out, uh, But please check it out. Uh, it looks awesome from what I've what I've seen. Uh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing, and I definitely uh, encourage. Uh, Uh, them to you know play it and to make it a game if they want Uh, so yeah the uh, on the chat the link for for that as well as for the rite of passage vote please um other than that at 8 p.m 45 minutes from now we are just having a fireside friday night and friday night chat uh, about the tabletop industry as a whole, as well as kind of the, the new fresh things that are coming out, as well as inclusivity. We're just going to go all over the place. It's going to be amazing. Um, it's going to be really cool. I'm excited. Um, and I just thought of my final question for you, Elizabeth, which has kind of been on my, my head for I think the whole thing and just kind of bounce out every now and then. Um, one of the things I really appreciate about your game is having the uh, the X card... Um, um, a uh, blurb in there. Um, I just started using it thanks to actually South 2012 uh, a couple months ago. Um, why do you think that is so important, uh, for the role playing community as a whole?
2: Um,
1: I think, like, at least when you're playing games where with people you're not like intimately familiar with, like, you're yeah. not playing with a group of your best friends, right? Um, there's certain content that people are not comfortable with. Um, even after you give like a, a talk of like, you know, this is expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Cause like if you're playing an extremely bloody game or something like that, like maybe people will already leave the table. Um, so it's important to have those safety tools there. And like a lot of people say like, oh, well, this does something like break immersion, right? Like, no, <laughs> it's specifically there to not break immersion. So you don't have someone sitting there who is completely uncomfortable, who is not talking the entire game, who just gets up and leaves. Um, so kind of to keep the game fun for everyone, right? Yeah. And I definitely think in <laughs> when we're playing these fantasy games and when you're playing in a game where you get to travel different worlds and have magical powers, um, it's okay to have a safety tool on the table <laughs> that protects people from things that they don't wanna explore because you know what, that's
2: also realistic.
0: <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, tabletop is a, is a great way to kind of explore different perspective and themes that you might not have otherwise had given, been given a chance to. And we definitely want to kind of cultivate a, a nice safe place for people to explore these avenues. Um, so yeah, as, as a GM, uh, you know, I, I really, I really love seeing that. Um, and yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's also so easy, like just as a GM, like it makes it, is like the ultimate lazy tool. You put it on the table, you explain it to everyone, and it's just like, it's the best thing when someone uses it because it's not a huge discussion. It's like, cool, like, we're going to rewind yeah. and we're going to keep playing, you mm-hmm. know? It's, it's just a great tool. And it, it keeps everyone safe and everyone happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, we love it. We love it. <laughs> All right, uh, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please check Elizabeth Chai Pradaku. Coon. <laughs> Coon. Oh, <man. laughs> I just needed that coaching from from her. I should have recorded that and just played it back. <laughs> um, please, please, please check uh her out on the the Kickstarter. I will send the details of the Kickstarter uh right as soon as ch- uh this stream ends. It will also be right down below. Uh, please support. We love uh Angry Hamster Publishing. We want them to do the be the best. Uh, and rule the tabletop RPG industry. Uh, so let's make that happen. Um, and once again, uh, Elizabeth, thank you very much for a wonderful time, and I hope you have the best of nights.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I had a blast. <laughs> like, and also thank you to everyone who was commenting and talking. That's so cool. That's yes. like this interaction is very cool. I know
0: it was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> and then next time it'll be the Tremere versus uh, the formal debate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things will get real. (laughs) All right. Goodbye, everyone.